Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. We'll talk about awkward weeks. We're two weeks away from moving house at the Watts' household. So we're packing up and preparing a house for sale. And it's messy, (laughs) as you would imagine. And to top it all off, during the week of having to talk with conveyances and real estate agents and all that sort of stuff, the internet died on Friday. (laughs) So two weeks out, you go... Do we really chase up that process, which you know how long it takes on the phone? Or do we just try to struggle through for the next two weeks without the internet? (laughs) We'll see. But my feet are so sore at the moment because I've been up and down a three-step ladder about 600 times a day the last two weeks. But anyway, what I want to talk about today and next week as well is what we're calling spiritual style, how we connect and relate to God. Um, And this comes out of my personal journey and my role here as Director of Discipleship. And, um, yeah, diversity is good. Our God is a diverse God. I think we all understand that, don't we? We just have to look at the world around us. His imagination is just so much greater than anything we could imagine. His creation shows us a mind-numbing array of difference and wonder. And we're part of that. And we, his creation, show that diversity as well. So what does that mean for us, his people, his church? Now, I know this passage I'm about to read is usually connected with gifting, but I think the principle is the same. So it comes from 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by the one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now if the foot said, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. We're not all the same. God has made us all different. Different temperaments, different likes, different dislikes, 
different ways that we see God, different ways that we relate to God. There's not one size fits all for faith. We know that everyone's not the same because we experience it every day of our lives in our outside of church life, outside of faith life, that in a sense, is there anything that's outside of faith life? Even if you're not a believer, I think you still have a faith journey. We understand the concepts and ideas of personality. We see it in the people around us. We see it in our families. Those who have kids know how different one kid can be from the other. We experience it in our day-to-day lives. People think differently and act differently to how we see things and think things. And most of the times we just accept this as the way it is, although sometimes we struggle with the differences and even fall into times of dislikes because of the differences. But most of the time we just get on with it and live with it. But we live in a world which seems to be becoming more and more tribal, don't we? More us and them. Where toleration of different views and ideas, different outlooks is becoming less and less. Even though the catch cry is to be tolerant and accepting. I personally see less and less of it each day. Where toleration, or the word they use, really means to them, accept everything I am or not at all. But we're the church of Christ. So what does that mean? We're in a place where we should be able to show what real acceptance is. Even though we're different, we all understand who we are in God. We all serve and worship the same God. And in that, there is unity. A unity that the world does not get. The world does not understand. So how do we react when it comes to our faith walk when we see others doing it differently? How do we react when we see different expressions of faith? Do we accept this as God-given diversity and celebrate it? Or do we reject it with suspicion and condemn those who are different to us? As your director of discipleship, this diversity, I think, is the key to great and strong church life. For me, it means to go deeper deeper in our understanding of Jesus, deeper in our relationship with God. And probably the number one issue is I want to bring the church this diversity understanding. Nothing brings me greater joy than when I, in the past, have mentored people and see them discover who they are, how God has put them together, how they're wired, see the lights come on when they understand that it's okay The way they do it is fine. They don't have to be living the life that their church has taught them, their society has taught them, their family has taught them. They have a life that God has ready for them. They just need to discover it. We need to discover it. For me, it hinges on an ancient saying. Through my journey of discovering people who taught me from history, this concept keeps coming up again and again. People like Calvin, Luther, Augustine, Pascal. And it's this, in knowing God, we know ourselves. In knowing ourselves, we know God. If we truly want to know God, we need to understand the miracle that we are in his creation. He has made us with specific things in mind. The more we understand how that works, the more we understand about how he works.
how he has wired us and how we are related and connected with him through that. Now, this process is called, generally, spiritual formation. How we grow in faith. There are many aspects to this journey. Knowing and understand God's word through reading and studying the Bible. Understanding theology and doctrine to know what is right to think about God. Understanding our own personality, our temperament, how we act and how we react. What I want to look at today and next week is our spiritual love language. How we naturally connect with God. How he speaks to our heart. Who here has heard of the love languages? I think you would have been living under a rock over the last 10 years not to have heard that term. Who knows their love language? Well, if you don't, here's the five love languages. Now, what they mean by love languages is things people do for you that you accept as an offering of love from that person. So words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. They are expressions of love, and everyone has a different way of receiving that. Knowing makes a difference, doesn't it? Understanding helps us know why we react in certain ways and why we respond to certain things better than other things. My family knows that giving me gifts is not an act of love to me. It's actually the last of my gift love languages. But I have a daughter and her primary love language is gift giving. So I know that giving gifts to her is important. Giving gifts to me isn't. So my kids have learnt just to give me money. <laughs> and th they know that. And that's, they know what makes me tick and I, we know what makes them tick. What's important to her is not so important to me. But the impact on her is greater than it is on me. We need to understand ourselves and each other. Well, I want to talk about the spiritual love languages. How do we know our spiritual love language? How are we wired to know and experience our relationship with God? And how knowing it helps us deepen our relationship with God? This is my challenge for today and next week. Do we know our spiritual love language? Because then we are not all the same. And my experience has shown me that knowing this enables us to go deeper in our relationship with God. My understanding of all this grew out of a personal journey, which has been lasting now for 30 years. A few, year, few weeks ago, I talked about Moses. Who remembers that little conversation I had about Moses? And my reluctance, just like Moses, to be involved. Well, nearly 10 years before that time, of dealing with the Moses stuff, God took me on a path that I'm still on today. It's a path that showed me who I am and how important it is for me to understand how I've been wired. So here's my story, part two, although it's really part zero, because if Moses was one, this is pre-Moses. Most of you know I grew up here. It's quite embarrassing when you have these church things and people say, who's been here 40 years, who's been here 50 years, you know, I'm one of the few people with my hands still up all the way through that. 
I made a commitment when I was 19 and got baptised and got involved in many things. Did what I was told growing up, how you grew up in faith, you know, quiet time, read your Bible, pray, go to church twice a week, twice a day, be in a home group. But here's the thing. In my late 20s, I came to a realisation that this church thing, this faith life I was living, was not filling a hole I had. It was not me. I had been taught and had learnt to do things and how you did faith. I had a good and solid knowledge of the Bible and I had made a personal commitment to Jesus, but I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God. The way I'd learnt to do faith was not me. So I stopped. I checked out. I still believed in God, but I could not find a connection. I had all the Bible stories from Sunday school. I knew lots of Bible stuff, but the Bible didn't speak to me. The voice of God was silent for me. What was wrong with me? Here's the thing. There was nothing wrong with me. I was a square peg trying to do faith in a round hole. It was not my fault. It was not anyone's fault. It was just how it was. So for about six years, there was nothing. I still even went to a Bible study group, still came to church, but there was no deep connection there. Then God acted, and through a series of events involving bagpipes, a uni course, and a book, if you want details, see me later, I came to a point where I prayed, I want to know you, not know about you. And God revealed to me a faith path that was real to me. I began to see my spiritual love language and how it opened my life to a real connection to God, a real relationship with him, one that made sense and was easy. It wasn't a struggle. Who has struggles doing their quiet time every morning? Lots of nods. <laughs> yeah. And it changed my life. And without this discovery, I wouldn't be here standing in front of you today. And this is what I want for others. This is why discipleship is big for me. I want people to grow. I want people to know. I want them to know the relief, the peace, and the excitement of discovering how God has wired them, how he has wired them to deeper levels of understanding and relationship with him. So let's look at the different love languages, the different language types. Many of you are doing or have done the spiritual gifting study tests at the moment. And that's part of the understanding self process. No God, no self, no self, no God. But many years ago, after my journey started, God brought a resource from the same people who designed the spiritual gifting course, but it looked at spiritual styles. Now, I won't go into too much detail here, but if, for those who love statistics, I'll give you the statistics about their research. They've been doing it for over 40 years through 70 countries and 140 million people. And they came up with nine distinct styles throughout the world, throughout denominations, throughout different faith groups. And this is them. We have sensory, which is enjoying the creation of God, Rational, understanding the nature of God. Doctrinal, 
thinking correctly about God, scriptural, applying the word of God to life, sharing, passing on the grace of God, ascetic, being disciplined for God, enthusiastic, celebrating the power of God, mystical, resting in the presence of God, and sacramental, expressing the incarnation of God. These are all ways that people connect with God on a much deeper level. Today and next week, I want to unpack these. And hopefully as I do that, you'll begin to see glimpses of, yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. And hopefully you'll begin to understand how God has wired you to have a deep, enjoyable, exciting relationship with him. So I'm going to do three today, and I'll do six next week. So let's start with sensory, enjoying God's creation and imitating him by creating. In Romans 1, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And from Psalm 19, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. For those who are connected through this style or love language, God is experienced through his creation and also through creating themselves. They are close to their God when they create and they appreciate the beauty of his creation and art and see God in it and through it, a reflection of their creator who they love and worship. They seek to imitate their creator, to create and reflect his beauty through their creation as well. I'm sure we can all think of people like this. I remember when we went to Europe many years ago and I walked into a cathedral in Prague. I was just blown away by the beauty and the awe inside that building. Just the love and commitment that was expressed through creation, through the art that was there devoted to God and to Jesus, people expressing their, wor- expressing their worship and devotion by creating things of beauty. They are also people who find God in his creation, in the spaces of natural wonder and among nature. They seek to follow his call to care for nature that he gets in Genesis. Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. They seek to tend creation protect creation, to participate in its growth, to be close to the creator. Those with this language see God's creation and majesty and beauty and seek to connect with God through appreciation and imitation of his works. For us as a body, these people help us see the wonder and beauty of God's world and not lose sight of his words in Genesis 1. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Let's move on to number two, rational. To understand the nature of God, understanding God through order and his rational creation. From Proverbs, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. And from Proverbs 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. Our God is a God of reason and order. Unlike many other faiths around the world, 
where their view of the world shifts and changes at the whim of what's going on at the time. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is consistent in his action and his character. This is why science grew up in the Christian West and not anywhere else in the world. Things did not change without reason. This language seeks to understand and relate to God through understanding his created order and his world. To see the works of his hand in the world around them. Many great scientific minds have been deep believers in Jesus. I found some who might be familiar, but there are a multitude of others. I have no idea who they were, although I knew what fields they worked in. So I'll just give you a few here. Mendel in genetics. Newton in physics. Pascal in probability theory. Babbage in computing. computing. Morse in telegraph and the Morse code. The fact that God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow means that we can understand our God through how he works, how his creation works. It has purpose, it has reason, and it points to him. God created our intellect, and through reason and knowledge, these people see and hear God, and they love God with their mind. In understanding how he created For the church, these people help us understand that faith and hope can be backed up with facts and reason. Faith is just not based on wishful thinking. It can be based solidly on fact and reason. Whereas the sensory seeks to enjoy creation, the rational seeks to understand creation. Doctrinal. Thinking the right things of God. From Proverbs 4. I give you sound learning, do not forsake my teaching. And from Titus 2. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Here we're getting into more traditional Protestant spirituality, I suppose. Knowing what is right and knowing what is wrong is central to how these people see and experience God. Statements, creeds, definitive statements about who God is or Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the church are central to how they interpret and understand and see God. To see how God works in his world. From them we get important statements that grow out of careful study. Doctrine of the Trinity. Humanity and divinity of Jesus among many. These people find God in truth, in Scripture, through careful study of Scripture. God speaks to them through Scripture and through the understanding of his truth. The devotion they give to sifting through the truth, to find the truth from the false, because the false has always crept into the church, and it's these people who find it and nut it out. They are lovers of theology and what it says about God. They are rational. They think. They place great note on reason and intellect as God has given that to them to find the way to him. This language helps the church to be clear in what it is and what it understands about God, our theology and salvation. Without them, we would get lost. Well, that's three this week. Next week I'll do the other six.
So over the next week, I want you to think. What I would like everyone to ask themselves is, how does God speak to me? When do I feel closest to God? Is there a pattern to it? Is there something which is easier than something else? Does he speak to me? Are you like me 30 years ago, knowing all the right stuff but never actually being quite connected? Am I listening at all? Am I listening on the wrong channel? Am I a sensory person trying to do it doctrinally, feeling stale and burnt out, but really loving being out in the world in creation? Are we listening in the wrong channel? Is there a hole that just can't be filled the way you've been doing it? We need to find the right way to do it. How deep do we want to go with God? For me, that prayer all those years ago, I want to know you, not know about you, changed everything for me. Started a journey into quite some different stuff, which many of you have experienced with me. How deep do you want to go with God? Because this is the question which ultimately we all must answer. Because knowing how you're wired allows you to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So if you want to know more, come and chat. I'm always open to talk. Once a month we have a spiritual formation night where we talk to just on a much deeper level. We can explore where you fit, where you sit. All I can encourage you is find out how God has wired you. Find out how he has put you together because he created you. So what he has made is good. There's nothing wrong. Just sometimes we get lost. Let's pray. Father God, the miracle of creation happens every time we are born. You specifically design us, put us together the way you wanted us to be put together. And sometimes we get lost in that path that you had planned for us. Help us to turn to you to discover that path again so that you can have a relationship with us that is deep and meaningful and true. Amen.